0: In Episode 9, Sam speaks really openly about the tribulations through the birth of Otis, his third boy, um, and, and what a fighter he is and, and the j- beautiful journey that Otis is now on with, with the rest of the family and how it impacted Sam as, as a person and, and as a dad and how just recently on a weekend he's explored some different emotions and different thoughts that perhaps he had been suppressing um, a really, really, really insightful interview with Sam. Welcome to Dad Focals, the show where we look at life through the lens of a dad. We're no experts and we're not here to offer advice. We're here to exchange stories on the triumphs and tribulations of dadding. I'm Sam, dad to three boys, Sonny Van And, Otis. and I'm Tom, dad to three girls, Bella, Etty and Maeve.
1: Settle in for a listen, with or without your Dad Vocals on, and enjoy.
0: Remember, if you have any questions, suggestions, or want to discuss any triggers, you can reach us at dadfocals on the socials and dadfocals at gmail.com on the email. The links are in the show notes. Let the games begin.
1: Hey, crew, just a quick note to let you know there is some pretty significant crackling at the start of this recording. Uh, That goes away after about five minutes, Um, but then there's also uh, an improvement in the quality at about the 36-minute mark as well. We did consider re-recording, but Tom did a great job of asking some really great questions and we feel that getting an authentic story out uh, is more important than the uh the quality of the recording itself. So please bear with us. Um we are getting it. Uh, we do have our L plates on with the tech gear. Cheers.
0: Hey Sammy episode nine we're going deep on dad Vocals. We've uh we've got some good
1: good momentum. Tommy, good to be back.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Almost up to five hundred listens. <laughs>
1: Very good. That's we'll that's be uh significant. There'll have to be a celebratory beer I would say at five hundred. <laughs> that's
0: that's worth celebrating i would say I reckon it's pretty solid i mean when we started out i think we we talked about you know a couple of hundred maybe by the end of uh october we yeah. smashed through that so yeah
1: now, no, pretty pretty proud now speaking of of listens um you know i think when we were we were talking about dad vocals and uh, well, for me anyway i definitely thought it would be sort of middle-aged dads like us would be 99 of our of our listener base but what we've learned is um, we've got listeners of all shapes and sizes and, and the, the latest one is actually in the seven year old, um, category. So, <laughs> so what I've learned, one of the benefits of doing dad vocals, Tommy is, uh, is, is Sunny the other night wanted to listen to dad vocals as he calls it. <laughs> so he wanted to listen to some dad vocals. Um, because we've got these little blue for two speakers. So I put it on and, and. The best thing to come out of it, I reckon, he was asleep in about five minutes. <laughs> so, so I don't know if like the content was that was it just doesn't quite resonate with a seven-year-old. But um, we're we're definitely yeah we're uh, we're open all demographics. Yeah. Um. But who would have thought we thought it was going to be you know healing for people and you know a bit of a, something nice to listen to, but it's actually good at getting seven-year-olds to bed.
0: Yeah. Wow. Mm. Great insight. Yeah. Um, first of all, I'm going to pick you up, um, middle-aged, maybe, maybe you <laughs> <laughs> I'm not middle-aged, what? Um, so, uh, and dad f- Fokels, is that, is, that um, is that the German heritage in Sunny coming through there? Is For that?
1: some reason he
0: says his O's with some weird <laughs> accent, it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> and then anyway. um, Sonny's not the only one who fell asleep, um, Steph Bodel, who uh, runs this awesome co-working space that Sammy and I work in and um, has provided this podcast studio um, that we sit in now, she fell asleep as well. Well, there so, we go.
1: So is that saying <laughs> that our voices are like sort of docile and, you know, and relaxing and calming or are we really boring?
0: It's one or the other, mate. Yeah,
1: I'm going to go with the, <laughs> with the former. But the thing is, I thought, well, it happened once. Maybe it was just a fluke. So I've, I've, I've put it on again and sure enough, he's out like a light. So yeah. it's a good thing. Yeah. It's a good thing. Any t- Anything to get a seven-year-old to sleep is, uh, is good. Maybe we should so. get him on. So get sunny on the pod. Yeah, yeah, if, right. If the
0: content's not stimulating enough, yeah. even, I want to know what is. Oh, he probably if he's like <laughs>
1: his old man, he just he'd listen to it even more. He just want to go home and go to sleep, <laughs> listen to his own voice. <clears throat> so how's your week, Sam? Uh good. I've uh, I've had, um, you know, we spoke recently about having quite an emotional week um, after the 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 brownie podcast, and we went to the yearman um, uh, session during the week, and. I uh, yeah I went to a men's health retreat on the weekend, which um, I have done. I've been to one with the same facilitators in the past. Obviously, you know this was five or six years ago. COVID put a sort of a stop to everything, but um, very very similar, but but also different, um, different different place, different venue, a different facilitator, um, and yeah, what I can tell you is, and and it was it was it was men. It wasn't just dads, but it was men. There was most people were dads. Uh-huh. Um, but just amazing to have a, if nothing else, just have a detox, a digital detox. So there was no, no screens. There was, um, the, 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 the house. So Mark, one of the facilitators has bought 70 acres out in Hepburn Springs, uh-huh. completely off grid. Um, and we got 15 basic strangers. I, I, I knew a, I me and a mate went, and I knew another bloke there coincidentally. Um, but uh, fifteen attendees and three facilitators, but just to unwind and, and unhook from um, yeah the digital stuff. But also, you know, I wasn't a dad for the weekend. I wasn't a husband. I wasn't a, uh, running a business. I was just me. I was just being. You yeah, know, they talk right. about we, we tend to be human doings, not human beings, mm. and just getting in back into the back into nature, into the bush, and. Um, it was really, it was really good, and I, um, yeah, I had some some stuff that. So when when I say health retreat, not so much about nutrition. Actually, there was nothing about nutrition. We ate clean, but it was all it was all about um, stillness, breath, some ice, some some cold shock therapy, um, but also a lot of uh, a lot of conversation, a lot of opening up, um, and uh, and yeah, and I had some I had some realizations over there. Um, definitely, I think just because. I hadn't given my time, myself, time to think about them, yeah. um, as you know we often do, um, but also that environment and some exercises that we did, which really helped. Basically, you know, you talk about locking up our uh, our, our emotions or our traumas as men, and 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 dig it and burying it really deep inside, mm-hmm. and effectively, it's all about just opening those things up, yeah. letting your guard down. Yeah. And there was a lot of tears, um, a lot of realizations, and I can tell you, I came out of it feeling a lot lighter. Mm um and this week's been good i feel like i've felt stayed calmer from it with my dad vocals on you know a big thing that kept coming up for me over the weekend was was losing my temper at the kids you know they and they're just the trigger but it's the realization i had is yeah they they trigger me like i think all kids trigger all parents um but so one of the one of the exercises we did was what do you want to change right and for me i wrote down um losing my temper too quickly at the kids. Mm-hmm. The second thing was, what do you need to do to, to make this change? And then, so the kind of things I would need to do is, um, certainly in the moment I need to take a deep breath, uh, but really it's, am I sleeping well? Uh-huh. Am I looking after myself? Am I eating well? Um, am I getting too stressed out at work? Have I got my, am I distracted by my devices? So all these things, I would have to be prepared to not stay up late watching TV. Make sure I say no to that chocolate bar. Mm-hmm. Definitely cut down on coffee. I haven't had a coffee for a week, which is the first time ever for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, you know, and, and not, bring homework with, not bring work home with me. So all these things. Um, and, I, and then the final question was, are you willing to do it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I think it's easy to say, I want to quit smoking. I want to start exercising more. Um, what are all the things you need to do to help achieve that? But that last question is, are you really willing to do it, is an interesting one.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and you know they, they spoke about, um, one of the facilitators that was doing this this session, he spoke about, there was a woman in one of the, the, the sessions he did and she was a smoker and it was, um, she wanted to quit smoking. And the, the next question was, what are all the things you'll have to do to quit smoking? And the example, and she was saying things like, well, I'd have to stop going out for smokers with my colleagues, I'll have to stop going out on the balcony um, before I go to bed and have a smoke, I'll have to stop. And she realised she wasn't actually willing to give it up. Mm. She wasn't willing to give it up. But then the crazy thing, what he explained was, they had a follow up session um, from this particular course, and she walked in and she was glowing and she just was she was so keen to share. And when it was time to share, she said, "I've quit smoking." Yeah. Because when she realised that she'd actually given herself permission to smoke, she realised she didn't need it anymore. Yeah, right. Which is crazy when yeah. you think about it. Yeah. Um. But some really, really fascinating stuff we covered off, Tommy, and um, and yeah, this week's been, it's been good, and, and of course, you come back from these things, and you feel good, and you've, you've, you've cleared out, and it's probably um, the easiest time to, you know, in my case, not lose my temper at the kids, but I'm just trying to make some subtle changes to, um, to help implement it.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask mm. how you hang on to that feeling off the back of an intensive, uh, immersive session mm. like that, because... Um, you know and I, and I think if we're gonna go with the analogy of dad vocals and you could say it's putting a filter on but it's actually probably taking filters off and whether those filters are coffee uh, lack of sleep whatever those things are that probably eventuate in you sh- you feeling frustrated with certain aspects of your life some of which will have nothing to do with the kids and um, but the resulting factor is um, perhaps, you know, being a little bit angry, being a little bit itchy and, and and taking out on those closest to us, which, you know, often can be, can be, can be the kids. So, and I know, I know you've since sort of flown to the Gold Coast and, mm. you know, gone straight back into to life. Mm. How do you, how do you, what kind of practices are you going to employ to hold on to that feeling?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think it's all just about having tools in the toolkit um, and, so what this weekend was all about, and I have sort of lost touch with this, but it's all about breath. Mm. It's all about breath and just slowing down and, you know, and it, in the moment, so getting onto the plane and we, was, we were stuck on the tarmac taking off. And it was, I think it was about an hour delay, but actually just using that time to actually <laughs> stop and breathe rather than be pissed off that the plate yeah. hasn't been taken off yet. Yeah. So that's a real reminder. I, I was introduced to meditation and breath work probably... Yeah, well, a while ago now. Um, um, back when, well, back when I first engaged with Kane, I've spoke about on the on the previous podcast when with cup overfilling and
0: mm-hmm.
1: reaching out to Kane, and he was one of the facilitators on this on this weekend, by the way. But um, so I, I was doing a lot of breath work, and then probably through COVID, I don't know why, but I um, and maybe it's since I've started training more oh. um, at the gym, I've probably done less of the the slow. Meditation. Um, what they talk about is, I might be going a bit off track here, but I think it's 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 relevant. Is they speak about yin and yang energy, and and yin is, is close, uh, is is slow and stillness and meditation and breathing, mm-hmm. and yang is extreme, lifting weights, you know, and, and rah rah rah, and yeah. you need both. Mm-hmm. In life, you need rah 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 to get up and move, right? You need stress. Um, but you also need to slow down. And I'd say over the last few years, I've been way too much yang, and not enough ying. So, so back to your question, um, just little things. Remembering, reminding myself to take a breath. Um, I've been doing, I've been doing five minutes of some some qigong, which is basically meditation with a bit of movement in the morning. It's nothing complicated. It's literally standing there and swinging your arms back and forward, getting the system moving and the energy and the blood flowing, yeah, and the energy moving. Um, Uh, so some, some, some stillness, remembering to breathe in the moment. But the other thing is just a couple of words that I've sort of anchored myself to, to remind me. Um, so one of them is, is coming home and there has been a couple of times and, and, you know, I won't go into that, what that actually represents, but just, just being able to, yeah, be anchored to a word. There's a bit of NLP stuff, which is a whole nother, you know, neural neuro linguistic programming, which I've done a bit of stuff on in the past, but having some things that you can come back to, whether it's putting your fingers together and stuff, just to remind yourself to take a breath, to relax. It's Mm. gonna be okay. Yeah,
0: brilliant. And isn't it hard to, you know, that's a really great point, are you willing to do this? Which, you know, in a heartbeat you say yes, but if you then, the secondary tertiary questions are digging deeper on what it will take, as your example with the smoker, you know, are you willing to put 40 minutes aside to breathe a day? And it's like, well, to do the yin and the yang, to, do, to train for 40 minutes and to, you know, lifting weights and, and, and to breathe for 40 minutes, you know, th- m- uh, that that stresses me out thinking about that yeah. because to put an hour and 20 aside a day, mm. um, I, my instinct says that's unrealistic. Yeah. Um, what I should be trying to, trying to figure out is can I carve that time out? Yeah. Because, you know, I think kudos to you, Sam, it's massive that you're carving out this time to invest in yourself on the premise that you want to be a better person a better husband a better dad um, and you're taking the time because it's not easy for you and your family to to just yeah. say right I'm gonna go away for a weekend um, but that investment in yourself physically em- emotionally mm-hmm. mentally is, is, is huge yeah um, and, and I think it's absolutely awesome yeah. and I, I don't do it enough yeah I don't think I don't think many of us do yeah.
1: You know the one thing that I just kept coming back to is those triggers. You know, where, and with whether, whether it's the whether it's the guy that's just cut you off in the car, or or dad focuses on your mm. kids. When those when you've had those moments and you're in balance, right? You've got good energy levels and you've had a good day or whatever, and the kids have a tantrum. You can handle it really well, right? When you are in good nick yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: So that's that's that's. You know, I don't think that's uh, going out on a limb. I don't think that's anything revolutionary. But just to say, just take care of yourself as much as you can. And, and we've got to understand that the, the season of life that we're in is busy. And mm. it's unrealistic mm. to say that you're going to be, you know, you're going to be levitating as you, as you meditate for six mm-hmm. hours straight a day or whatever it is. It's, it's unrealistic. But I think if, you know, I also think that you can grab five minutes in the morning when you w- set your alarm five minutes earlier. Especially, that's that's the best for me anyway. That's the best time to for stillness. First mm-hmm. thing in the morning, kids aren't up. You, I go outside. The birds are tweeting. You know, but it's still calm.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. I I would challenge everyone to say you can find five minutes if you really want to. Yeah. If you want, if you're prepared to, if yeah. you're willing to, and if you're not willing to, that's fine.
0: Yeah. You've got to change the narrative in your own mind, haven't you? Yeah. I yeah. I, you know, we we all can carve out time to do that that stuff. It's yeah. just about switching mentality, going from well, I can't possibly do that to I think Dan Steele a um, couple of episodes ago um, said to us he grew up in a in a why not environment. Yeah. H- his dad yeah. passed on to him why not and you know why wouldn't you put aside x number of minutes, hours a day, a week just to to invest in in yourself? Um, yeah. And as you say, it's about Having a good energy and and making those decisions with to bring it back to dad focus, bring bring it bring it back to the most important things to you and if you put your dad focus on in every instance and you think about the purpose of why you're doing what you're doing, chances are you can tie it back to your kids. Yeah. And if you tie it back to your kids, then you're not going to be in the car getting irate at the fact that there's a, there's a traffic jam. Yeah. Um, or or whatever it is. Today I'm not a, I'm not a huge one for. Dates and anniversaries, but I was sitting there today thinking, oh, you know, it's a while since um, Felicity, my wife, and I like went out and did something, and you know, so I th- s- sort of looked to the calendar and I noticed that actually it's 12 years today that um, that we we went on our first date essentially, and I started writing a message to her and it, you know it got a bit soppy, which mm. you, which I don't send many of those, but um, ultimately I said, hey, you know, as long as we the, the, the thing I love about uh, you, Flick, is that we align on the big decisions and most of those decisions right now are about our kids or certainly influence our kids. Um, sometimes the small stuff we disagree on and, mm. you know, we, we might bicker on, might get irritable at each other, but ultimately as long as we just keep worrying about those big decisions mm. and we keep our focus of, you know... With Dad focus on mm. and keep the focus of the kids and and the energies in the right place, then, um, then we're gonna we're gonna make good decisions for our kids.
1: So the focus on you, on the kids, but also on the yourself as well, which is what we're talking about. Yeah. Making sure that you're not just putting all of your energy into the kids because there won't be anything left. Because if you're putting energy into yourself first, you're going to have more for the kids, right? Yeah. So, I mean, look, I know that the lovely flick will be listening to this. So, congratulations on your 12-week <laughs> first date anniversary. You're you're a lucky lady Tw- to have v- spent
0: 12 years, Sammy. 12 not, not years. 12 what did I say? 12 weeks. <laughs> well, wow, okay. It might have felt like 12 weeks because she's had so much fun, but
1: 12 years with this uh, with this hunk of a man. Hey, uh, thank you,
0: mate.
1: Hey, Tommy. One thing I did want to um, want to speak about was. Um, uh, was was yeah, Otis's Otis's entry into the world, arrival into the world. So I, I touched on it, um, in previous episodes and in the Brownie podcast. I mentioned about um, mm-hmm. the whole NDIS route that we're currently on, and uh, you know, I, I, I haven't, I wouldn't say I've been balking at it, but I've um I've wanted to make sure. I mean, it, it's a it's a yeah, it was a pretty traumatic event for myself and Mel, and um, I'm I'm feeling after the weekend to really have uh, to have specific carve out time to reflect and it it wasn't this weekend was not about Otis in any way, shape or form but it was a pretty repeating sort of um topic that came up for me in my own reflection and um it uh yeah i'm feeling i can honestly say i'm feeling as comfortable with it now as and as ease with it as now as i um as i as i have been yeah great so i just thought now's as good time as ever to um to have a chat about it um
0: fantastic so just for context um, Otis is, is third Yep um, Sonny, Sonny was born in 2015 Yep Van 2017 Ye- Yep And then Otis 2020? 25, 2020 2020 20, 2020 2020
1: yeah. yeah So he was born in July 2020 Just as Victoria went into the first hard lockdown Yeah wow Yeah so it was a crazy time mm. that in itself um, So uh, and look uh, I mean to just to touch on Sonny and Van's um, births, neither of them were really straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mel, um, so Sonny's was probably the best, but even then, um, you know, I remember, I remember there was however many paediatricians and doctors and things, and they had defibrillators defib- out waiting for Sonny's arrival. He th- didn't need them in the end, right. but yeah. um, it was you know even that was hairy. Um, but that was the best, the best of a bad bunch to be honest, Um, Vans was, um, uh, yeah, so I remember during Vans' birth and, you know, it's maybe not something I'm overly proud of, but I had to leave the birthing suite at one point. It Mm -hmm. was just, it just got got a bit too much for me. Um, And it wasn't at the pointy end. Um, but it was I, I just needed some a bit of air, and I ended up, believe it or not, in the prayer room at the hospital. Yeah. Well, first I had a first I had a uh, a chicken sitzel sandwich and a big M, and I, maybe it was a donut, <laughs> but I had needed I needed some soul food. Yeah. And then I sat in the prayer room and and you know and just had a bit of quiet before I got back in. Um. Uh. And you know he ended up being delivered. He went. He had. There was a couple of Bradys where the alarms go off, and because the baby's heart rate drops under, I think, forty beats per minute, and all the doctors rush in. That happened a couple of times with Van. He ended up being delivered. I believe there was forceps or something. There was some kind of intervention. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, uh, and then, and then Otis. But you know, I think it's also, also, I want to point out that when we were pregnant for the third time, which um, we eventually lost, but were pregnant for a, a um, for a third time, and we actually engaged with a doula, um, and, and you know I had a really good feeling about um, Jazara, I think her name was um, something along those lines anyway. But she was a she was a beautiful soul, and we she came out. And she spent a couple hours at the house, and um, we agreed to work with her. And, and you know that that pregnancy ended up um, not going the distance. But uh, when we were uh, pregnant for the fourth time with Otis, mm-hmm. definitely we're keen to go down the, the, the Dula route, but, um, cause of COVID just couldn't do anything. So,
0: yeah, I don't want to, don't want to overlook that third pregnancy. Sammy, we'll, we'll, we'll probably go there another day, Yeah, I, I, I think, but, um, just want to, you know, put it out there that we're not going to overlook that. No, And I also want to put it out there that it, it's fine to leave the birthing suite in my opinion. Um, right, <laughs> It's a funny one. It's a bit of a stigma. Um, as I've said before, my you know, flicks in, in uh, the prenatal space. So she, she works with pregnant uh, ladies through yoga and, and hypnobirthing. And um, on our on our first birth, we um, we practiced hypnobirthing and and everything was, was going uh, really quite well. It, it was a pretty long uh, labour, <laughs> but flick was in the in the in the bath. <laughs> She'd been in the in the bir- the, the, the birthing bath for for twenty odd hours. And I was on the, the side of the pool, um, obviously looking fairly sleepy because I, my job was to keep pressure on her sacrum, uh, just, just, just kind of at the, at the bottom, at the base of her back. And <laughs> the midwife looked at me and said, Tommy, can I get a coffee? And I, you know, oh, my response was, like, there's no way, I can't leave, there's right. no way. I had a massive bag of food that, that was for Flick, but it actually kept me going the whole way through. And um, she said, "No, no, y- y- come on, just just leave." And ultimately, she said to me, "You're useless to me if you're low on energy." Yeah, which is, you know, pretty much obviously what you were feeling. And yep. um, and I say to the guys that the guys and girls that um, come on Flick's Course now, I say, I always say that, don't be afraid to leave and take a break. Yeah. Um. You know, obviously, as the birth partner, we're fortunate to be able to do that. Yeah. Um. To be able to kind of walk away from the situation, but a- again, to your point at the beginning of this this show. Um, you're only you're only the best person for your partner and, and the baby that's about to be born if you've looked after yourself as well. Uh, and yeah, of course, you know, birthing labor is going to test us all, but yeah. it's absolutely fine to um to leave the birthing suite and have yourself a big M.
1: Well, yeah, and th- and I'm sure it was a strawberry jam donut. <laughs> the get the sugar levels back up. Um, yeah, anyway. <clears throat> so. So yeah, and we absolutely, I think we can, I think we should should go back and um. Yeah, talk about that third pregnancy, and that's you know that's a definitely an episode in itself. Yeah. Um, uh, and just on that, it's amazing when you go through something like that, and you know, as you and the listeners have probably realised, I'm a sharer. I'm a big sharer. I've I, I I've said it before, but a problem shared is a problem halved. And you, when you're actually proactive with those kind of conversations, it's amazing. You realize, you, you you notice how many people have been affected, whether it's them directly or their friends and family. Um, but it's still you know, people which understandably, but still people don't talk about it. But I found it was the best therapy for me. Yeah. Getting through that period. It's gotta be
0: on your headstone, mate. The number of times I've heard you say it.
1: Shit problem shared is a problem half. It's a good one though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so uh we're okay, so we we've, we've 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 got yeah, we're pregnant with Otis. Uh and yeah, so we go into the hospital Mal uh, she, I can't even remember if she was in. I think she was induced. I can't even remember. I'd have to go back and and think about that a bit more. But um, I think she was induced. Can't remember that detail, to be honest. But we're in the we're in the birthing suite. Probably yep. I've <laughs> I've blocked out a fair bit of it, and that's interesting that I can't remember that. But mm-hmm. um, so Otis's birth, uh, yeah. Look, what uh, what happened was with with the um, the two prior um, to the two older boys. Mel had an epidural both times. Um, and we'd made the decision early because there is a bit of a stigma around epidurals. There is. There's yeah, a stigma around them. Um, and, you know, I think Mel did her best with Sunny and Van to, to avoid it. And then she ended up going with it. with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and my belief with birthing is it's no time to be a hero. No, You just want the baby out happy and, and healthy. That's yeah. my personal opinion. Yep. I if agree. it means a cesarean, it means a cesarean, right? Yeah. I don't believe in all this stigma and, uh, and all that crap yeah. that comes no, with I, it. I
0: think you've got to take positivity into every scenario. Yeah. Any scenario, every scenario. Yeah. And um, whatever it is. Whatever it is. There's no, there's no failure nah. in that situation.
1: Nah. Don't be a hero. I think I said those words. Let's not be, let's not be a hero. Let's just get the baby out happy and healthy. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, so we, you know, we, Mel had decided it's ultimately her decision, but she decided she's going to have an epidural. And what had happened is she, and it's third kid. And from what we've learned is your third kid, it, the, the laborers can be very unpredictable. It mm-hmm. can go from naught to a hundred really quickly. Yeah. Um, and so we called for the anesthetist and by the time she came out, um, no, she came in and she said, so I'm just going next door and I'll be right back. And, and, and she took, so, okay. So what happened was the midwife said it will take her about half an hour. Um, once we call her mm-hmm. so we called her and we called her early rather than let it go too long because the whole un- yeah, unpredictable thing and um and we called her she came in about an hour later because she got held up mm-hmm. I understand that's what mm-hmm. happens mm-hmm. and when she came in um the midwives were in the middle of something with mel so it just wasn't right timing so she said i'm just going to duck come duck next door and i'll come back anyway by the time she came back mel was in heavy labor and and they tried to get the epidural in, but the, the contractions were too strong, mm. and Mel couldn't sit still long enough for the epidural to go in. So eventually, so basically, she delivered the baby um, on on a bit of gas, which you know, which is interesting. Mel doesn't think the gas actually does anything for her anyway. And she said that in each one of her pregnancies. So, you know, uh, like I really I really feel for Mel because she know she just wasn't mentally prepared to be delivering a baby naturally and that decision was basically made for her and right up to that moment she thought she was going to be having an epidural Mm -hmm. so it was it was really tough um but what that um you know fast forwarding on from there it was another prolonged birth and you know they've got all the monitors and they're 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 reading the heart rate monitors and all that stuff and um and it just got to a point where the baby had to come out and you know and and you know, another sort of lesson for, for dads that are going, mums and dads that are going into labour, it's also um, we went to a public hospital and so we didn't know the midwife. And just this midwife, which I'm sure she's, you know, she's she's great at what she does, but there just wasn't that connection with Mel at all. And she was younger, more inexperienced. And, yeah. you know, and, and Mel really needed someone to help lead her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what... I would hope the doula would have done. Mm -hmm. I just found that as a third party, or third party, I don't know if it's all right, but as uh, observing what's going on between the midwife and Mal, it just wasn't connecting. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I think there's something in that, but anyway, the Mal was really struggling to, to get him out. Um, Got to the point where, you know, they, they put, they intervened with something. I can't remember. I can't remember if it was forceps or the vacuum or whatever, but they ended up, you know, they ended up getting him out, but, when he came out, he wasn't breathing, so they put him on Mal's chest as they do, and I was just looking at him, and and I just thought he was dead, Gee. to be honest. Yeah, he was um, the colour of him, the look of him, he was lifeless. Mm. Um, so they put him on her chest, and then they really quickly realised. I think I might have said something, but they really quickly realised. Geez, we needed, you mm. know, we need to to take some action here. So they took him off, and they started on him right in the room, um, just with. Something uh, like a something over his face, just to help him help him try and get some breathing, because he yeah he wasn't breathing at all. So yeah. what that led to was they took him into um, so they don't have a a. a uh, Nico uh, intensive care unit at, at um, this hospital. So they just took him into, I think it's just a nursery sort of thing, but-
0: So they cut the cord at this point. They cut the
1: cord, yeah. they just yeah. did whatever they had to, it was all, and it wasn't what you, you know, what you picture when no. you think your baby's coming no, into no. the world, you think there's hard work, but you also picture the cutting of the cord and you're cuddling and it's, you know, it's beautiful. But there was, there was none of that. Yeah. So he was, he was, he was rushed off. I went over with him um, and you know, Mel had to, Mel, well, yeah, the doctors you know, she had to get some stitches and all that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. she was there in the birthing suite and i went off with him and yeah there was uh, there was quite a few doctors and nurses in the room with otis and they uh and he started seizuring um so he would have had i think he had three or four seizures um and they were pretty short but seizures are, are really what i now know seizures are really worrying for a newborn baby obviously on you know the the damage on the brain and you know and they don't know whether brain damage causes seizures or seizures cause brain damage so um that was visible
0: to you yeah
1: it was was subtle but i could tell yeah Yeah, it was subtle but i could tell and i was sort of just standing you know just behind and that feeling of helplessness Mm. that i think all well all people would feel in that situation but As the dad, you feel helpless enough in the in the labour, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, a, another level of helplessness when you're watching all these people work on your newborn baby. Um, so, uh, and look, it is a bit of a blur, if I'm honest. It was late. It was a long labour. I reckon he was born at, I don't know, just after midnight. Um, and what happened? So, yeah, so they, so I went back after he'd, he'd at that point, We did, there was no idea. There was no idea he was going to live or die. There was no idea whether he was going to be brain dead. Um, And you, uh, you, you think the worst. Mm -hmm. You go to some pretty dark places um, in those moments. Uh, So I left, I left that room when I think he'd stabilized just in somewhat. I mean, the seizures had stopped at least. And he was hooked up to all these machines and, you know, those, those, photos that you see of babies in intensive that's exactly what he looked like yeah. um, but he was still pretty lifeless and I went over I went back to see Mal and I don't know if she well they obviously hadn't told her anything and I don't know if she was still just as you know she's just come out of a pretty traumatic uh, labour it was like she was sort of not aware mm. of what is going on. well she wasn't aware of what was going on with Otis and she wasn't even aware of the I, th- I think she just thought that, oh, they've just taken him off to, you know, do some standard Chips. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I had to, ta- and, I, and I think I said to her in that moment, like, it's, it's I, I don't remember my words, but um, I definitely, um, maybe I was as subtle as a sledgehammer, but I was like, it's not looking good. Mm. And I remember the look on her face, like, it was shock and surprise because she didn't, she didn't realise. Mm. So, yeah, I, I definitely remember thinking that we're either going to, he's not going to make it. Or alternatively, you know, I'd already planned out my whole life with a, a, a kid with, you know, disabilities, whether that's physical or mental or both. Yeah. Um, and then, so we went back in, and um, when Mal had come back in, and she saw him, and she saw him on the bed and uh, the, the table and hooked up to everything, and, you know, and, and all the doctors around, and, and, the, and, and the lifelessness of him. It was like it hit a, it was like a semi trailer just came through and yeah. just, wow. yeah, it was, like I said, up until that point, well, yeah, and, 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 yeah, and Mel, um, yeah, she went into, I, I don't know what you'd call it, I'd probably call it a bit of a panic attack, mm. um, which is completely understandable. Yeah. Uh, and this was in the middle of the nursery, you know, and there was other, there was, it was interesting. So I remember there was other mums just nursing their newborn babies yeah. and we were like, basically, all this was unraveling in front of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, yeah, so, so that was, yeah, that was full on in itself. Um, and then, yeah, and then where things started, where we started to see some, some, some breaks in the, in the clouds was, was when a team called Piper came in. Now have you ever heard of Piper? No. No. Nah. So Piper is and I'd never heard of them either. They're basically intensive care paramedics. So they've they've got, you know, helicopters and um, well, I guess helicopters and cars, but they've they're the guys that are out there. Guys and girls, but they're the 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 paramedics that are out there when it's really serious, yeah. And they can, you know, it was really interesting because they, they were a team of three, so there was two uh, women and and the male driver, and they just knew their they just knew their shit. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like the people at the, the hospital were out of their depth, yeah. Um, and they just came in, and then the whole thing changed, and everyone, and even the doctors at the hospital, were sort of stepping back um, for this. So I, I dare I dare say they're not. I'm completely hypothesising here, but I dare say they're not just um, paramedics. I'd say they're probably doctors. Mm. Um, but everyone just got out of their way and they came in, and they came in with a an intensive care bed, like a like a um, what was it? Like a it had the full door and everything on it, and you're looking through glass. But they came in with that, um, yeah. and you know, and it, like I said, the whole atmosphere changed.
0: And this is over a course of. Hours.
1: So so they took him out. So they got here. Yeah, so we would have been in the hospital and they would have arrived, I reckon, five hours later. Mm. So that five hours was, without a doubt, the hardest five hours I've lived through. Yeah. Um, and Mel would say the same. Uh, just the, like, looking at the baby and, you know, and looking at Otis, just, like I said, lifeless, hooked up all these machines, the, she- the seizures you know mal- like m- how i'm coping how mels coping the lack mm. of sleep mm. the uncertainty all that stuff but yeah then piper came the atmosphere certainly changed or did for me anyway um, there were some positive signs uh, but the, the the main lady who sent me a text message after was just amazing um, and then they yeah so they put him into this intensive care bed and 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 they and they took him away and Mel and they took him to to the Monash, which has a NICU, um, and so then Mel and I, they recommended that we um, try and get some sleep because at this stage it was about seven in the morning or yeah. something. Wow. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and so Mel and I went and laid down, and I reckon we laid down. I think I slept for about an hour. Well, it, we were in bed for an hour, so oh. I reckon I slept for that for that time, and then we got up and and we left the hospital to go to to go to the Monash. Um, and leaving the hospital was like just yeah just wanted to get out of there mm. just wanted to yeah. get as far away from that place as possible it's like you're in a time it was like you're in a time warp um you know there's no windows to outside and yeah, yeah. so leaving there and then when we got to the monash um that's certainly when like, it, it, yeah, it all just it all just changed. It was still real, and then we still went out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination, and there was still a heap of uncertainty. But getting to the Monash and going into their NICU, which is just absolute state-of-the-art, and I can't compare it because I've never been into another NICU, but yeah. it was just everything about it. You know, they were expecting us to arrive. They, the, the facilities, the doctors, the nurses, I could not speak highly enough of, of the NICU at the Monash. Uh, and he's in, and he was in, um, a, a room of two beds and there was always a nurse on call. So we basically had a, you know, a full-time, well, yeah, there was a full-time nurse, yeah. um, between him and a, another kid. And, and a lot of the kids on NICU, um, they're premi babies. And so the nurses couldn't believe, cause Otis was a pretty big kid. Uh, I, th- I reckon he was, how big was Otis? Uh, oh, jeez. Kind of, uh, over, he was high sevens, I think, high seven yeah. pounds. So he was a big kid, and, yeah. and the and the nurses weren't um, weren't used to seeing full size or or big babies. Yeah. Um. So, so, yeah. But so, where am I going? So yeah, we got to got to the Monash, and um, and what they what they did. So he was diagnosed with a thing called HIE. Now, don't ask me what HIE stands for but it's effectively lack of oxygen and or blood to the brain at birth. Yeah. Um, and what they do is they, they basically, at, at the hospital that we were at, that he was born at, they did like a, a bit of a tick box sort of testing thing. And he was diagnosed with a moderate amount, uh, a moderate level of HIE. So it's low, medium, high. Mm-hmm. Um, and what tipped him over the edge into... Moderate is the fact that he had seizures, so seizures again are, are a real concern.
0: Yeah.
1: So what was really interesting, I found it fascinating, um, and I still do, I guess. But the brain is is a muscle, mm-hmm. and when you strain a muscle, you put ice on it to help it help it repair, and yeah. that's effectively the treatment he had. So they put him onto a, a cooling mat, and they they brought his uh, core temperature, which is normally you know thirty seven, mm-hmm. brought his core temperature down. I, I believe it was 32 degrees from memory.
0: Wow, that's, so that, that's significant. Yeah, yeah,
1: so he's on morphine the yeah. whole time. Um, so and he just lies on this bed that has cold water running through it, mm. and he lays there. So we couldn't we could touch him, but um, he had this he- everything was hooked up to his head, his brain. They were monitoring his brain waves, mm. um, <clears throat> and uh, y- yeah, so we could we could hold his hand, um, but that was that was about it um yeah i reckon it was i reckon it was so he was on that for five days he had that treatment for five days Mm. i reckon it was day three or four that um were able to get him out of his crib um but still on the mat Mm. um and then yeah maybe it was on the last day when mel was able to have her first first proper skin to skin cuddle with him which was just when we got to that, like, I didn't think we were ever going to get there. Yeah. So that was really um, a really big moment for us. We got a beautiful photo of Mal holding him. Um, yeah, because we'd just been sitting there by, his, you know, while he's in his crib. Yeah. Um, for for those that many days, and as I think as a mum, in particular, all you want to do is hold your newborn baby, right? Yeah. So that that makes me sad when I think about his first five uh, first five days in the world was. Mm-hmm you know he wasn't alone but he certainly didn't have the connection that I think we all hope for yeah he was lying in a you know in a crib um but what what happened we got there and and the head doctor or the doctor certainly looking after Sunny anyway um she was awesome and she explained stuff really well she was able to explain things she wasn't sugarcoating anything but she yeah. was able to explain it which felt like it was with some empathy, which yeah. I, I don't think you always get mm-hmm. in the medical in in, in hospitals. Um, but what she she asked if we'd like to take part in a um, in a trial. So the trial was for a drug, which is for kids born with with HIE, um, and this was still you know we, we this is when we pretty much first got to the Monash. So we're running off pretty much no sleep, and yeah. it's all a bit of a daze. But I just got the sense that. Um, I just got the sense it was the right thing to do and and the and the the, the, the my mindset at the time was that he's going to with this trial becomes comes more care mm-hmm. so more care with with that pediatrician and with and with the with the monash and more monitoring and stuff so I didn't see how it could be a bad thing there were some potential side effects but they were super low from memory what she spoke about um, yeah. and plus it could be placebo yeah. so we went with it um, and I'm glad we did.
0: Yeah, I, I think yeah. it's massive to trust your instinct in a moment like that. I mean, yeah. you've, you've thankfully never been in that situation before. So you would have been running purely on, on instinct yeah. and taking as much information as you can and, and making the best decision you can. But I, I think in those moments, and I'm quite a primal person, I believe we have to listen to our instincts. Yeah. We have to listen to what our gut is yeah. telling us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Listen to our gut and the really smart lady doctor that was taking yeah. us through all the stats, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, absolutely. Um, so so we did that. So he was given that he was given that while in his time in the Monash and um but that was it. It was only, yeah, the first three or four days from memory. He didn't mm-hmm. there was no follow up um dosage. Yeah. So um yeah, so it got to the point now now, you know, I think what I'd like to talk about from you know, for the dads out there that that may go through something like that. And whether it's the same thing, whether it's a birthing story or you know, kids getting sick or, or any kind of trauma or hardship. Um, and this, again, this, this might go against the grain, but we had the option to stay in, Mm -hmm. um, stay in there, but we, we made the decision to come home Mm -hmm. at nighttime. Um, and that decision was all about self care. Yeah. So not only do we have two boys at home, Mm -hmm. um, but, we knew that we were gonna sleep like rubbish. Yeah. It wasn't a that what they were gonna put us up in wasn't gonna be. It was basically a little couch thing, like, yeah. And so, not only would we be sleeping like rubbish, um, eating hospital food, not seeing the boys, but also just in this time warp, which is the hospital. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we made the decision to go yeah. home, and yeah. Mel came home. I think for the first two nights, and then the next, the next three nights. Or the next, I think the next three nights she might have stayed in there on her own because mm-hmm. we're getting close to being able to cuddle and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then the last night we all slept in there together. But So I didn't sleep in, I, I, I only on the very last night did I stay in there with Mel and, and yeah. we had a room with, with Otis because yeah. um, they wanted to just keep him under observation for a night once he was, you know, weaned off the morphine and everything else. Yeah. Um, but I can honestly say from my point of view, and I, I believe Mo would have the same opinion, but for me, I'm glad I made that decision. Um, I kept training and, I, and actually, it was the first time I met Dan Steele, coincidentally. So at that point it was locked down, but you're able to do two on one personal training at that point and the gym was doing that. Yeah. And it was the day after and I'd rocked up to, to do a workout and Dan was there and I just let Dan and whoever the trainer was at the time, I can't remember, And I just let him have it all. Yeah. And it was not only, I've spoken about it, my favorite saying, a problem shared is a problem at half, but to actually be exercising, getting fresh air, that, you know, that fills my cup physically and emotionally. Um, And then to be able to have a chat, and Dan was a great person to have a chat to in that moment, as you can imagine.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I, I yeah I, I don't have any regrets at all about coming home I spent the whole day I spent all day every day there yeah so my point is just yeah how much can you do he was stable um, the signs were really good and how much can you really do by sitting you know yeah. by sleeping in the room so that was that was my that yeah. was my call and like I said n- not for everyone but that would be my anyone going through the same thing look after yourself first and that'll mean you can show up yeah yeah um,
0: i agree yeah yeah
1: so uh so yeah so so um getting yeah real real amazing moment when we finally mel could finally have that that skin on skin cuddle Mm -hmm. um and yeah and look it's it's we so his name's otis and it's certainly just because we love the name mel mel picked it or mel came up with the idea but. There's a singer called Otis Redding. Yeah. And and his famous song, which tragically he recorded the song and then he died a couple of weeks later in a plane crash, I think it was. But sitting on the dock of the bay. Yeah. And I'm still very much angered to that song because I was singing that to him. <laughs> um well, whether I was playing it on my phone or I was singing it to him myself. Uh yeah, like over and over and over again because you sort of I don't know. I, I I spoke to Otis a lot while he was in there. Yeah. Um but believe it or not, I think I even ran out of things to say to a baby that was <laughs> yeah, yeah. so yeah, sang a lot and listened to that song a lot and whenever that comes on now, it just sends a shiver down my spine. Yeah. Of of um in some ways of of sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, but more the more powerful emotion is, is joy. Yeah, for sure. Um
0: So so five nights and then you came home.
1: Uh, so yeah, well, then we had the night. So he was off all the machines, and and we had a night in a room at the hospital. And then he came home. And then he came home. And that was, and that was once we took him home, it was just you know he was just a normal kid. So the end of this, um, this cooling, they called it. He had an MRI, um, and the MRI came up clear. Well, came up, yeah. well, it came up n- normal, but every brain's different and it's not, you know, it, they're not completely conclusive. So, but that was really positive. It was sort of like the whole week. They monitored, they were monitoring his brain the whole time. He didn't have any further seizures. Um, and the whole week was about this, this sort of, this MRI. Yeah. And the fact that the MRI came back, um, came back normal was just, was huge. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, and then, um, and then, yeah, then we, we basically brought him home and, you know, apart from a a few more regular checkups, the one thing that we, he also had a, uh, a physio, a a physiotherapist look over him and, and look at his, you know, and there was a few things there with his physio that he was a bit behind. He Mm -hmm. wasn't opening his arms very wide and stuff, but you know, what, what stuck with me is what the physio said was. Just not every baby's tested, right? Yeah, so, yeah. um, maybe it's something to do with his birth. Maybe it's got something to do with the five days after. But she said often the best thing for this is just love. Yeah, this kind of stuff. And when they've got love and you know the warmth of their mum, they they open up. Yeah. So that was that and was all the
0: all the energy had been, you know, without without being a medical uh, scientist, all the energy was going to his brain. Yeah. And, and supporting his, his yeah. brain and the most important organs that he had. So. I, I guess it's no surprise that maybe an arm doesn't move straight away in, in mm. the way that it should because the blood the energy has been going to the vital vital organs. Yeah, when well, did you get skin on skin Sammy? when did you first have that moment yeah here?
1: after it would have been it would have been after mal um, if I'm honest I can't remember it as clearly as I can remember Mel because that yeah. was what it was all about for me and yeah. and um, yeah I just think there's something really important about the Mother, son, but actually it's not just the son thing. Mother and and child, mm-hmm. um, for male, but but more so for Otis as well. But the, <clears throat> one thing the physio said was, <clears throat> um, she alluded to the fact that that cerebral palsy could be a could be. Um, there was a chance of cerebral palsy because of the way his arm was, the lack of movement and stuff. It was very very early; he was five days old or something at this stage. But yeah. just another thing that's like, oh shit! Like this is, mm-hmm. you know, we were so over the moon to for him to be living because, like I said, at one point it didn't look like that. Um, but then, uh, but then, you know, you sort of, yeah, the worry of what his life may look like, um, developmentally and physically. <clears throat> so. So then, yeah, we brought him home, and we, you know, we, we treated him just like a normal baby, and he, and which he is he is. I remember having still some a fair bit of um, worry around around that, and like the effect on on the family. Well, the, first and foremost, the life that Otis will live, but then the effect on the family and everything else. But um, he was developing like a you know like a baby that any other baby. Um, he had a checkup. Um, and look, I'm not the greatest with timelines and dates and things, but he had a check-up. So this, this trial he was on was two years after after birth, and then that's when it all sort of finishes. Um, and he had a check-up leading up to the end. So it, w- it wasn't that long ago. It was earlier this year. Um, and Mel went along, and I wasn't there. And you're only allowed one person at a time at this stage. And you know, it wasn't a great experience. The, the doctor was a little bit old school in her approach and pretty blunt with Mel, which, which, you know, is never nice. But Mm. um, she, yeah, she said that he's got a deficit in um, his speech and his fine motor skills. Gross motor skills, I reckon he's more developed than what the older two boys were at his age. The stuff he does, he gets, he's got this little balance bike and he climbs up on tables and stuff. He's just a, he's a bit of a lunatic. but fine motor skills. It's interesting because he feeds himself really well. I reckon I was hand-feeding Sonny till he was four, and this kid was feeding himself, I reckon, before he was two. But yeah, yeah. Um, things like putting blocks on other other blocks and you know squeezing the shapes into things he, he does struggle a bit with. But we also... This is one of the things that Dr. Made Malfeld bad about he's the third kid. We don't have the time to spend with him yeah, that we, we had, we used to sit down with Sonny for hours doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, no and
0: mustn't feel bad about that because there's no third kid out there who, the, who doesn't experience that. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's right. So, so I dunno, is it developmental or is it the fact that we just haven't pushed it and encouraged it? Yeah. And, um, so, but she said he, he's got a deficit in these two things and you know, and every time we get call it bad news, um, you know, it, it it has. It's taken me back to the birth, and you know, you go down that war- rabbit warrant, What could have we have done different, and all that kind of stuff? And what kind of life's you gonna live? And you know, and and but, um, so yeah. So so it so that is a, a bit of a process to try and snap out of that. Um, but,
0: I, I, yeah, you. I don't think you should have to or force yourself to snap out of that though either. Yeah. You know? you, again, you got to be kind to yourself and explore those feelings if that's where your your mind is going. Um, yeah. There's a time and a place for that. And obviously, you know, the weekend that you've just been on has, has brought that up as well Yeah, for, for a reason. Yeah,
1: I think so. So, um, yeah, so she's, she's had this report and then, um, yeah, so off the back of that, and this is where we come into um, the NDIS. Mm-hmm. So because of his... Because of his... Beginning to life and these deficits, we've been told that we're we're pretty much guaranteed to get NDIS. Yeah. So there's a thing called early intervention, which you know they want you. Uh, the first seven years of a of a kid's life is really really important, um, and they want to basically throw the kitchen sink at it. And then at age seven, if if you are in need of care from there, it. it and this is just what I've learned is that it's likely going to be a lifelong thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So from a government point of view, they actually want you to have the funding to get the therapy before seven. So hopefully, yeah. it actually costs them less in the long run.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm sure it's not just about money. There probably is a fair whack of it, but it's also for the you know the well being of the child. Yeah. So, so we've started that route. We've um we've yeah we've got some stuff from NDIS. You know what I can tell everyone if you're going down this route, we haven't. Um, We've, we've leaned on people I've lent on Brownie he's put me in contact with someone um, it's so far it's been okay but I don't think the rubbers really hit the road yet mm-hmm. um, but you know maybe I'll talk about this on later podcasts because I think it is I think it's a, a pertinent point because I'm yeah. sure there's going to be lots of people that are dealing with NDIS you know along the track mm-hmm. um, and if anyone you know most of our listeners know us but if anyone wants to have a chat to me quietly I'm more than happy to yeah um so so that's so that's that but um and i feel okay about that you know i feel okay well, look one thing i have i think about the ndis and i think about well it's it's government funding is there other people that need it more and i've, I've definitely had that wrestle in my in my head and and speaking to brownie actually and it's like well, it's actually it's not about um everyone needs it so if you if you if you if the kids had you know, being diagnosed with something and they need the therapy, they, you know, yeah, just, just, just take it and get the, and get the child what they need. Um, You know, we all pay a lot of taxes and this is what it's for. Mm -hmm. And just on that point, actually, leaving the Monash, I could not believe that we left the Monash and there was no bill to pay. There was no invoice. The the care that Otis received was, I, I can't, I can't explain how um, just absolute A grade. I felt so comfortable that he was there. Yeah. Um, and the, the care, the, like just one thing, when the nurses, so, so there's always a nurse on call. Oh, sorry, there's always a nurse in this one room, right? So one full-time nurse in a room for two kids. And when it was a handover of nurses, it wasn't just a quick come in, you know, blah, 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 see you later. I reckon it was at least an hour Mm. that both nurses were on. So it was a proper, thorough handover. And I would leave and come back and it would be a new nurse and she knew everything about Otis and and Mel. And it was just, yeah, the machinery. I couldn't even imagine how much it actually would have cost to to have that, let alone all the doctors and, you know, everything else that came with it. So I've never felt more fortunate to live in Australia yeah. um, than what I did. And coincidentally, I had a tax bill to pay and I've never been so happy to pay my tax bill. Yeah, um, We did say that we want to do some fundraising for them. We mm-hmm. we haven't yet, partly partly because of just time and energy, but I think it's something that I'll, I'll definitely do down the track yeah. in some fashion.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. It, it makes you realise how fortunate we are to, to live in a country like this and to have been born into a country like this or 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 for me the uk and people grumble about public systems but you know you've got to put it into perspective the fact that you're not having to make decisions on the spot about you know your boy's life and uh, not having to worry about money that not being a factor i can't even begin to imagine how it would feel to have to make decisions like that with money being a factor yeah um so as you say yeah incredibly fortunate um to to have access to facilities like that and even that
1: piper team yeah like if you if if i was to and you know I've, I've sort of had this conversation before otis from otis's birth to when he left that hospital if that's not a couple hundred thousand dollars of of mm. care mm. i don't i don't know what is yeah. so just and like i said walking out that wasn't private health that was all the public system just yeah. just so so fortunate
0: yeah um Th- thanks sammy for for telling that story. Mm. I know it's not easy mm. um, for you to recount. How, how do you feel telling the story yeah. three, two and a half years? Two and a half. To, sorry, two, two and a half yeah. years on. Um, so,
1: one thing I, I do just want to touch on because it, there's one more and, and it does come back to that question, Tommy, but, so we're, we're heading into the final um, appointment with the pediatrician, so the end of this trial, which mm. is, which is the two year mark, which is, um, yeah, he turned two in July and everything was, you know, apart from having these deficits, which didn't really bother me because, you know, another thing is apparently a lot of kids Otis's age have speech deficits because of the whole COVID thing. Yeah. So the, the, the deficits aren't a real concern for me. And I know we're going to get the funding and, and get him the therapy he needs, but about two weeks before it he was he were booked in to go in, he had a seizure mm. and that was a real, um, that was a, that was that was a hard one because we ha- he hadn't had any seizures that we'd know of yeah. um since birth and you know, you start to think that yep, it, there's you know, maybe we've sort of dodged a bullet in a way and maybe mm-hmm. there isn't any long term um effects, side effects and um and then yeah, Mal was out getting her eyebrows done actually. Um, and it was at a home salon and, you know, he starts seizuring on the floor and yeah. really full on for Mal. Mm-hmm. Um, to deal with and she called the ambulance and the ambulance came out and spent the day in the hospital um, so that was, that, was, that was pretty tough um, and when we, when we went to the and, but it was good timing it was good timing that it was before the, the appointment with the paediatrician and, yeah. and it is worrying it is worrying that he's seizure um, kids with HIE are at a, at a heightened risk of having epilepsy um, he hasn't had one since uh, which is good but we note, but if he has another one, then it, he'll likely um, he'll likely need medication, oh. anti-convulsion medication, and um, and we'll have to go down. Um, well, he'll be he's booked in for an MRI, but it's not high risk at the moment. But we'll have to go we'll have to go down that route. Yeah. So, you know, even um, even epilepsy, I don't know. I, I I know I know quite a few people that live with epilepsy. Yeah. Doesn't uh, that doesn't scare me for, for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want him to, I just, you know, and, and all signs are showing that physically and mentally he is developing, which is, you know, for me, the thing that, that um, probably worries me the most. Um, yeah. So, uh, all right. So to c- answer your question, and this is where, you know, the weekend was, um, was, was, yeah, it was, it was. Um. An environment which was conducive to unlocking the 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 emotions that we've that we've suppressed, um, and bringing them up and clearing them is the language they use. And uh, and like I said, I wasn't going into this thing thinking it was all about Otis, but and and it wasn't all about Otis, I should say. But there was one thing in particular that we did, which. Um, and it wasn't just the exercise; it was just, like I said, all the things I mentioned before. Oh. Having the time to slow down and actually reflect and consider, and, yeah. um, and, you know, and I realized that I, I probably hadn't, I, I, um, I had dealt with the trauma of it all by through talking, but I probably still hadn't, I, I yeah, and and a realization for me, which I don't think I'd even let myself. Sa- think, consider, or, or, let alone say out loud. But a a uh, uh, a realization that I had was only subtle and only maybe a degree or two. But I was, um, I wasn't giving hundred percent of myself to Otis, mm. and it's hard to say out loud. Um, but I think, uh, I think it was a bit of a defense mechanism you know i like just not letting myself get 100% attached to this kid cuz not having the certainty of what it all looks like for him yeah um and that was it was hard it was when it came up for me it was it was hard and i was you know i was i i haven't had a good cry for a while and that really um that really helped bring the tears on and um and the guys were super super supportive and and saying it out loud and you know yeah, saying it out loud, I in my head before I said it, I remember thinking and going, Shit, I can't say this. This mm. just makes me feel like I'm the worst dad and the worst person alive. Yeah. And then you build up the courage and you say it and you break down and then all the guys just get around you and give you a cuddle and you yeah. realise that in your head you set you make yourself out to be a monster, but you know, everyone's got those stories and yeah. they all look slightly different, but they're all they're all relatable. Um and then so that was hard and, and 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 you know i still like i'd said it and i think that's half the battle but i still i didn't know what what to do i I wasn't sure i remember saying i don't know what to do with this and you know after some really good conversations and we actually did that exercise again um about 24 hours later and it was like uh for me it was like i was peace with it. And it was about, you know, it's about Otis's spirit, not necessarily his his, his body that I'm trying to connect with. Um, and I had this real feeling of clearing it and letting that feeling go. Um, and I can tell you in the last week, I've embraced him wholeheartedly and, and I feel like that. And again, it was subtle and um, i don't think anyone around me would be able to feel it um, yeah. i hadn't told mel that i hadn't told anyone that i don't, like i said i didn't even give myself permission to think it yeah um but that has now that's now lifted and you know what it, what will be will be we'll give him all the we'll get him all the care therapy and love that he needs and yeah. um
0: you know and and what will be will be yeah so so a, a mix of emotions in in telling his birth story now, is is that how you, you're feeling? There's obviously definitely a tinge of sadness, but yeah. I, I feel a celebratory energy as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, I definitely, if it's, when I reflect back on that, it's full on and it was shit, but it's it's happy. It's yeah. joy. Um, because, you know, you would go through all that again for him to, to come through the other side. Because like I said, at one point, it, it definitely didn't look like it. Yeah. Not to mention the you know the pregnancy that we lost just previously. So when you compare it to that, yeah, you would take it. I think everyone would walk over walk through that to you know to come out the other side with a with their baby. Um, yeah. But no, certainly I don't I don't think back of it uh, when I think back. It's not it's not sadness. I'd be lying if I said there wasn't any worry. There's mm-hmm. still some worry. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you worry about all your kids, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just because it, you know, and that's the other thing. Maybe he is a bit behind at school. Maybe he is a bit behind on. Maybe he's not going to be the best footy player, but every kid's so different, and who cares about that stuff? Exactly. So exactly. Um, yeah. And
0: he, For those who don't know, I, was just, I can tell you he's just like your other boys, Sonny and, and Van. He's, a, he's an absolutely beautiful boy, and yeah. he's got these amazing blonde uh, curly curly locks. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah he's, he's a beautiful, beautiful kid.
1: Yeah, so thanks, Tom. And,
0: and do you think, obviously over the last week, um do you think you, you've been a a different dad because of what happened to two or three of your kids
1: so over the last week so in terms of from the well, weekend or
0: no since since Oceans' birth did yeah. it did it change the dad day vocals a, at all in the way that you okay. kind of parented had uh, Sonny oh, right. and Van or all three of them how do you think it impacted you as a, as a dad
1: i think you i think you I think inevitably you adapt, you you evolve yeah. in any part of life, let alone being a parent. Um, I think the practicality of having more kids. Every time you have more kids, it's going to affect. And and having our third kid was before we had kids at all. We always I'm one of four. I love the idea of having a big family, which I'd say would be probably three or four. Yeah. Um, and when we had when we had Sunny and Van, and they're not even two years difference, and you know and um, we felt like we were the luckiest people in it. I was and what the third kid wasn't a wasn't a, a, sh- a gimme it was a, something we considered and yes we consciously decided to in the end, but it wasn't always a you know we, we had considered stopping it too was the point. Um, and one of the considerations for me was well every time you have another kid, it's less time that you've got not only for that yeah. kid but for your other kids as well for sure um, And you know someone said to me that that does have, Kids, it was Mal's auntie actually. It's like, yeah, but the kids have got each other, Mm. and you know. And I see the boy, and you'd see it with your girls, but the camaraderie between the boys, it it just yeah. And and Van um, Otis now, his latest word he's picked up is the boys. So if the boys are somewhere, Sonny and Van are somewhere, and he's not there, it's just the boys, the boys, the boys. He just wants to be around (laughs) his his big bros, and it's changed the dynamic because Sonny and Van can be competitive, they're close in age. they can be compet they love each other, but they can be competitive. But they both have so much love for Otis, yeah. and Otis has so much love for them, and it's just yeah. beautiful to see. Um, so, but look, has it changed? Yeah, I think you adapt. I think you adapt just through experience, let alone multiple kids. Uh, has has the Otis? Look, I think you go through something like that, and it does a you know it does change your appreciation for your kids. You've got so much appreciation and gratitude anyway, but I think it. It does make me realise how precious life is, just that little bit more. We all know it, but I think once you go through something like that, you can really appreciate it. Maybe, well, maybe, sorry, that's not fair to say. Maybe you appreciate a little bit more. Mm. Um, but uh, it's a crazy ride. Yeah. It's a crazy ride.
0: Yeah. As I said, you and Mel do a, do a beautiful job. Yeah. Sammy, last question. For any dads who maybe went through an experience that, you telling a the story they resonate with at any point, um, or any dads that might go through a similar experience, what, what would your advice be to them?
1: <coughs> so uh, <laughs> it's funny because I think we asked Brandon the same question and I think my answer is the same, is self-care. Um, yeah, yeah, if if I think the worst thing that you can do, which might be the the, the whether it's a... Um, probably not a natural thing, to be honest, but probably it's a thing that's, um, uh, that's built. if we go into autopilot, we might drink a few more beers mm-hmm. or, um, you know, maybe we, uh, yeah, watch a bit more TV or just sort of go into our shell a bit. Um, my suggestion is, is just through my own experience, but just get out there and, I think the worst thing you can do when you're going through something hard is is be a recluse and pull back. I think mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say it again, <laughs> but a problem <laughs> shared is a problem halved. And no, keep, saying, um, it, and, keep and, saying it. And just getting out and um, looking after yourself physically, what you're eating, what you're doing, um, what you're drinking, uh, and then find someone, whether it's a professional, whether it's a mate um whether it's someone at the gym a perfect stranger sometimes are the best mm-hmm. but just 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 open up and the worst thing we can do as people but i'm talking about blokes here is suppress those emotions and i think there's a place for stoicism i think there is in in life but also i think sometimes we've just got to let it all out yeah um and it's amazing how good you can feel after a good cry yeah. Uh, yeah and a good chat so that would be
0: that'd be it mate yeah and you did exactly that um Know, in, in heading to the gym that day and spilling to to, to dan and one other thanks um, for that dan
1: i'm sure you're listening mate
0: <laughs> but it's serendipitous yeah. that you should meet dan at that moment I yeah think. um and yeah and, and, and i'm sure that you made you made decisions based on the fact that you've been able to share it with someone mm. and that you've been able to exercise yeah. um, not saying there would have been different decisions but you would have been in a better headspace to be able to receive information from that yeah. doctor um, yeah. and, and make the right decisions for ages.
1: Well, that's what we're talking about, right? When we're talking about, you know, losing temper with the kids, and, we, and, you know, we already said it, but if you're in good nick, if you're in a good place, and it's yes, it's harder to be in good nick when you're going through something like that, and inevitably you're probably not going to sleep as well as you normally would, and your routine's going to be out, but just do your best to, to to look after yourself and get your energy levels nice and balanced and... Uh, you can, you know, you make poor decisions when you're under stress, mm. without a doubt. Yeah. Um, so if you can do your best to look af- after yourself and as much as possible, you're going to be in the best nick to look after yourself, others around you, and make good decisions, yeah. I believe.
0: Yeah, An- mm. another v- very well-versed saying, control the controllables. I think, you know, we, we certainly can't control everything. Yeah. But those things that we can control, what we eat, yeah, you know, what we drink, yeah. um, when we try and go to sleep, really important to control those um as you say to keep ourselves in the best nick possible yeah so we really brave of you mate thanks so much for for sharing that um good to have a good to have a cry sometimes mm. good to have a laugh um but yeah that's uh, absolutely beautiful um
1: thanks to but thanks for you know you uh are one of the guys that i you know that i enjoy having a chat to i feel safe with and you know that's credit to you um and, you know, asking good questions and being able, to, being able to hold the space. And that's the other thing, right? We speak a lot about, and I do, I, I profess all the time to, for people to be talking and opening up, but what's just as important as that is being on the other end and being able to hold the space and being able to sit in the discomfort, because it can be bloody disco- uncomfortable. We're not, we're not used, as blokes, we're not used to crying, but we're also not used to sitting there with another bloke crying. So holding the space... And being and and you might not be on you might not be comfortable but just trying to sit in that discomfort for your mate or whoever it is 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 just as important as the person talking yeah. so and you play that role not just with me but I, I see you out with other people and other guys and you play that role extremely well and it's not something that comes easily for a lot of people So credit to you mate
0: yeah thanks mate yeah we yeah, stop pissing him. We're going to have a kiss and a cuddle now, Tommy. All right. All right thanks, thanks mate. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Like, share, subscribe, and all that rad dad stuff.
1: Remember, we're all just dads doing our best. No pressures, no guilt, just a lot of love and talk. If you're struggling with anything, reach out to someone. A problem shared is a problem halved.